the late 80s, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the podcast Pat Trek. My continuing mission to introduce my friend Patrick to the best show that ever ran on television and to boldly go where millions of white guys with glasses have gone before. Hello, welcome to Pat Trek. This is a show where my friend Pat O'Rourke introduces me, Patrick Winninger, to Star Trek The Next Generation. It is a show that I've never seen. And I have seen it a ton of times. And Patrick, we'll always have Paris together. <laughs> yeah, we'll always have Paris, episode 22. Yeah. Oh, man. We'll always it's have... interesting yeah. one. Yeah. You know, for not a lot of space stuff or sci-fi going on, it, it was romantic. Yeah, I, you know, honestly, I felt like it wasn't bad but it's kind of forgettable. Yeah, like, yeah. I would say of all of the Star Trek ones, it, was, it doesn't really. It would stick be around. one. I think you said that, like it's one of the ones you put on to fall asleep to. Yeah, because I didn't remember how it ended, and I was like, man, I must have passed out on the couch during this episode. Yeah, and again, it's not bad, and there's a lot of character development with Picard, which is nice. Yeah, very nice. But not a lot of stuff happens. No, no, not at all. Um, you know what? I totally forgot to look up a production fact. Oh, I didn't do right. that, so we don't have one this week. You know, I doubt there's really anything that no, interesting. No, not really. There weren't really any crazy things going on with the set. There's only one plot line, actually. Yeah, there was. There was no A-B plot line. Yeah. Well, that's the production fact of this okay. week. <laughs> there is no A-B plot line. No. Which uh, was, you could easily tell by watching the episode. Yep. But I've found a couple interesting things from the news. Okay. So this came out May 8th, 1988. The hit movie that week was Beetlejuice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Beetlejuice starring Michael Keaton. Yeah, I love Beetlejuice. Totally underrated movie. Oh, totally. I like it better than Ghostbusters. Ooh, I do. hot take. It's better than Ghostbusters. Okay, fair. It's good. It's great. Michael Keaton is such a good comedic actor. Yeah, Gina uh, Davis is great in yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, Alec Baldwin was in it, too. Oh, that's right. Yep. He's skinny and handsome. Skinny Alec Baldwin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that was... Uh, top in the charts at the box office. May 8th, 1988, the episode of Full House that week was Jesse gets into an accident with Danny's antique car. Oh, no. I've <laughs> seen that episode. She crashes it like right through the front window. If no, I remember man, correctly. Jesse. Not, not, uh, not DJ. Uncle. Wait. Uncle Jesse. Uncle Jesse crashes yeah. the car. Oh, uh, you know what? I'm thinking of Family Matters. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Different Jesse. Different people. <laughs> in the news, in the actual news, President Reagan is mortified that his endorsement of George Bush's presidential candidacy was regarded as surprisingly lukewarm. Reagan gave Bush a terse, three-sentence statement of support, mispronouncing the name of his vice president at one point as Bosch. Oh, wow. That was the only other like interesting thing going on in the news that week. I don't like how you claimed that Beetlejuice was not real news. Okay, Beetlejuice is real news. <laughs> the ghost world is real, and Beetlejuice lives there. And he's my friend. <laughs> Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice! <laughs> no, you, you realize what you've done? Uh, sort of. <laughs> I only half remember that movie. Uh, it's pretty good. It holds up. Yeah. You I should. remember it being good. I don't remember the consequences of when you call Beetlejuice, though. He shows up. 
Yeah, that seems. He awesome. shows up in your little model train set. Yeah, and he eats eating, a cockroach. He eats a Zagnut bar. Oh, that's what it is. That's yeah. right. But yeah, that's pretty much all that was going on in May eighth, nineteen eighty eight. Awesome. Uh, so I guess we should probably get into the episode. Let's do it. Yeah. So it's called "We'll Always Have Paris," which I'm assuming is an homage to Casablanca. Mm-hmm. You kind of get that feeling. Yeah, the whole episode. There's is, a love triangle involved. Yeah. Well, sort of. Kind of. The, There's her, an old flame. Yeah, exactly. Because her husband yeah. is a little jealous, but then pretty much does nothing. Yeah, I mean, he's dealing with his own issues of being sucked into some kind of time-space <laughs> warp hey. and having his brain destroyed. Time-space thought, all one thing. It's all one thing. Never forget that, Patrick. It's I a know. very important uh, concept introduced early in Star Trek. Yep. Uh, but the way this episode is introduced is there's footage of Picard sword fighting or fencing mm-hmm. with some someone else on the ship. Yeah. And there's a voiceover. He's talking about how they're on shore leave. And I guess this is how he spends it. He's practicing fencing uh, with a lieutenant. Yep. And not much goes on. Like they fence for like two minutes. And then at the end, they raise their swords to like salute each other or something. Yeah, it's what they're doing at the end of every at every, uh, at every spar. Yeah. Spar, yeah. sure. And then it happens again. And they say the same things that they just said yeah. like two seconds ago. The move of a desperate man. Right. The move of a desperate man is the line that's said, and then it's repeated. The, the same motions that they had are repeated. And it seems like they notice what's going on. Oh, they totally notice. Yeah. And they're like, that was strange. We just did a thing twice on accident. Yeah, so time is like in a loop. So that's kind of weird. Yeah, one would say it's a hiccup. Yeah. Foreshadowing. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so Captain Picard is like, huh, that's weird. I'm going to go talk to Riker. I'm going to hail Riker and see if he experienced the same thing. Yeah. And Riker's like, yep, it happened here on the bridge too. That's kind of weird. So Picard goes to the bridge. Uh, Data reports, hey, by the way, uh, everything just looped back again. It's kind of strange. Might want to investigate. And uh, Jordy and Worf pick up a distress call from a nearby planet, Pagos Minor. And it's a weird, warped voice. It kind of sounds disoriented. And it's from uh, Dr. Paul Mannheim. He's calling for help, but they're able to get like a set of coordinates from it. Right, which the coordinates to me kind of, they're pretty funny because it's, like space is on a single plane. Yeah. Because there's only two coordinates, like they're out at the ocean, but it's right. like, you, you could go anywhere up or down, and that would be yeah, there's literally a, there's millions a Z of miles. Access yeah, that exactly. you're forgetting about. There's no Z access when they describe where they are. But Picard knows how to get there. So That's because he's a brilliant captain, Pat. Yeah. He's able to interpret just two numbers and find a <laughs> point anywhere in the universe where that is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you. It's it's a it's a secret class that they have in Starfleet. <laughs> anyway, so it turns out Picard knows this Mannheim guy. Fifteen years ago, Mannheim had left Earth, and he had a team of scientists, and they were going to work on experiments with time. Mm-hmm. So right away, we kind of know it's like, oh, something went went wrong, didn't it? Yeah, it had to have. Yeah. Why would the Enterprise have repeated itself? Because everybody on the ship is repeating a moment in time. Yeah. So. Data knows about this guy, too. And Data's like, oh, yeah, that guy, uh, Mannheim. He was brilliant, you know, brilliant scientist, but he had some, like, crackpot theories that no one really respected. So he left, and he he was going to go work on it, and I guess his life's work would be to prove, aha, I'm actually right. Yes. 
So he went. Well, isn't that why science exists? I guess so. (laughs) So he goes all the way to Pecos Minor, and he's like trying to prove his crackpot theory, and he's got a team of scientists there. Picard knew this guy because Picard went to university in Paris. Yeah. And not at the same time, but he knew of Mannheim. And he was like, yeah, I, I went there like right after he had left or something. And But I knew about this guy. Mm-hmm. So he was famous. In, or at least in the circles that Picard right. and Data were in. Right. And he had a weird look on his face when he's recalling this moment. Yeah. So there's something, some emotional attachment going on we don't see from Picard that often. No. That's what I love about this episode. That is the best nugget of this whole episode is how Picard is kind of searching his own soul. And he starts doing it in this moment. Yeah. And I think Troy uh, picks up on it because Picard is like, okay, Riker. she better. Yeah, she better. That's her damn job. (laughs) Uh, Picard's like, all right, Riker, y'all check out whatever this distortion is. See how much it's spread. And Troy's like, hey, I need to talk to you in private. And he's like, oh. Oh, well, whatever you can say in private, you can say here. Gotta love that about Picard. He's not really picking up. It's like, uh, by the way, her job is like, it's kind of not only to pick up emotions and stuff, but to deal with them. That's often done in private. So he makes Counselor Troy have to give this whole spiel about how like, hey, you're kind of really bad at dealing with your emotions. Yep. And I am picking up a personal attachment here that could compromise the mission yeah and therefore you better deal with this stuff right do some sit down in a room and think about what what, what you're gonna say what is going acting. on yeah so picard is just like oh, oh, oh that's preposterous you know of course of course <laughs> True picard fashion yeah he doesn't and i think it, it doesn't come from a place where he wants to dismiss troy but he doesn't want to even begin to address his emotions. He doesn't want to deal with it. Yeah. He doesn't, you know, he's a starship captain. Yeah. He's got no need for emotions. He's a logical thinker. But the funny thing is, he immediately does what she said to do. He yeah. goes to the holodeck, and he's like, all right, put me in Paris 22 years ago, April 9th on a warm spring day at some cafe in Paris. Yeah, he should have given her some credit for that. He yeah. never even thinks I know. It. He's just like, uh, uh, uh. I don't, I don't have to deal with my emotions. That's dumb. And he immediately goes and does that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't really like how he treated Troy in this episode. That's a great point. Picard, show Troy some respect. Yeah, man. That's her damn job. Yeah. She's just trying to help you out. That's what you hired her to do. So he goes into this cafe 22 years ago. And the first thing that I think we all noticed when we were watching this is like there's accordion music going on. It sounds kind of synthesized. Yeah. I was like, oh, it's the 80s. And then... There's a guy standing at the entrance of this cafe. He's not playing the accordion. He's got a tray around his neck and with a bunch of glass pipes, uh, and it looks like he is jerking off a bunch of bongs. Oh it does. It is very <laughs> poorly positioned. It's like very poorly positioned. I understand it's the future. I know this is a sci-fi show. Just give the guy an accordion. <laughs> Yeah. I didn't understand why they had to miss, like, oh, yeah, they had to make accordions weird well, in the future. Well, aren't accordions hundreds of years old already? Like, in our present time? like, 200 time? years old. Yeah. yeah. I mean, why wouldn't they just keep an accordion? Keep that thing around. <laughs> I know. I know. It's so strange. And it totally looks like the top of a bong. It, and he's playing it like this, like, yeah. jerking off a yeah. bong. Yeah, we get it, what Patrick. It looks like. We get it. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was so funny. It, it is so funny because he's got this like, weird smile on his face, and he's like, no human 
in May 8th, 1988 is going to watch this and be like, oh, yeah, that's what a guy playing accordion looks like. It, it's just so bizarre. Yeah. And it took me out of it. And it's such well, a small thing, I know. But why did they do this? Throughout the rest of the episode, you kept bringing it up. I did. You kept being like, Every, oh, is there going to be a bong? <laughs> Anytime, because they bring up the accordion music when he sees his old flame. And it's just yeah. like, someone's jerking off a bong in here, yeah. man. <laughs> Because that's all. That's the image that came to mind. Yeah, that's what it, it. It's truly what it looks like. I actually own an accordion. I played accordion in an. Did Iri- you really? I played accordion in an Irish folk band in college. That's awesome, dude. I, I didn't have know that. Not about picked you. it up uh, since then. Which I never play it. I totally forgot how. But I will think about that <laughs> every time. <laughs> every you time play I re- I remember college. What I wonder is how the air came out of it. Yeah. How did this thing work? Or, yeah. It's it's, <laughs> it's like on a tray and they're glass tubes. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure that there's some, like, dilithium crystals or something yeah, involved. Yeah, totally. So, anyway, uh, this waiter uh, greets him and, like, offers him wine and cheese or whatever, and Picard looks out at the view. You know, we see the Eiffel Tower. We see some weird skyscrapers that, I guess, have been added in the couple centuries past. And he tells the waiter, he's like, you know, I met a woman here 22 years ago, and I didn't show. Yeah, well, the waiter asks him, like, ooh, she didn't show? And he goes, no. No. I didn't show. Yeah, dick move, Picard. Yeah, Picard. I mean, normally, Picard is my moral compass. Yeah. But in this moment, it's like, you couldn't have given a girl a call? Uh, not everyone's perfect. Yeah, and this is This is real bad, man. Yeah, well, and that, again, is what I love about this episode. We really get a glimpse into Picard, because, you know, I, I won't spoil it, but he's actually a human in this episode. Yeah, so... Picard sits down at a table, and he overhears this conversation between two women. Uh, one of them is named Gabrielle. She's waiting for someone else to show up. And the other person just gets frustrated and leaves. And Gabrielle, who is wearing a weird dress, it looks like a bikini, kind of? <laughs> it She's is. half naked. She is quite naked. Yeah. So I guess this is future France, where yeah. uh, they have very liberal sexual mores. So, <laughs> you know, fine, whatever. It, yeah. it just it looked... She looks good. It, yeah, but it looked future in an 80s way. Yes, very much so. Much like the guy playing the accordion that was <laughs> oh, jerking off bongs. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Patrick, we got it. I know. It's just so funny. <laughs> so Gabrielle's talking to Picard. He's like, why didn't he show up? And she's clearly very distressed about this. Yeah. So I think Picard is kind of realizing, he's like, oh, that's what that feels like. Yeah. That's what that feels like to be abandoned when someone you love was going to show up. Yeah. So I think he probably gets a little twinge of conscience right then. I think so. I think you're right. Yeah. So he he's like trying to reason. He's like, oh, maybe he was afraid to show up. Huh? Do you ever think about that? Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's not working. And so he just gets annoyed with himself, I think. Yeah. Yeah. He gets introspective. Yeah. And he heads for the exit. Mm-hmm. So Riker tells him that there's this other... Uh, freighter or something and some other colony they both experience the time loop so it's emanating from some source it's not just the enterprise that's dealing with this so this could be a big deal and we know that Mannheim was performing weird experience uh, experiments with space time it's probably linked to this yeah so they go to the coordinates nothing is there then they get other coordinates and uh Jordy who we rarely see in this episode yeah like this is his two, one of his two lines, I think. Yeah, he must have had the day off. I guess so. Yeah, yeah. 
he, he was already on shore leave. <laughs> yeah, he was he was on shore leave. They brought him back. He's like, I gotta do this bullshit. Uh, I gotta help this engineer, this <laughs> new chief of engineers. Right, there's another chief of engineer yeah, who has no name. I don't know where Leland T. Lynch went. <laughs> I know Singh died. That's uh, right. I don't know what happened to Argyle, but it's a new chief and uh, chief of engineering. Yeah. So uh Jordy tells him, it's like, yeah, these new coordinates we got, they're in the middle of nowhere. It's like a barren uh star system basically mm-hmm. no one lives there so it's weird that they're giving them they it's called the vandor system which they have a red giant and a pulsar in the star system that'll be important later they get to vandor data finds activity on one of the planets which is not really a planet it's like a rock basically and it's in orbit of the pulsar and and the red giant there's a force field uh so there's something there Mm-hmm. Someone is living on this rock, right? Well, someone had to build that force field. I guess so. Yeah. So Picard's like, "Well, we should probably hail the planet, see what happens." But they don't mention their name. A woman answers. Yeah, and Picard gets a knowing look in his eyes. Yes. Yeah. Picard recognizes this voice. Yeah. Uh, Which is pretty crazy if you think about 22 it. Twenty-two years later. Yeah. And the would odds. he really? And the odds. Yeah. The odds are more than one in a million. Yeah. It's one in how many galaxies there are, how many stars there are in the galaxy. Well, if the guy can figure out how to get there without any sort of Z access. Uh, right. I mean, he, <laughs> like I said, he's a brilliant captain. Yeah. So uh, this woman's telling them that Mannheim, the doctor who's been performing these experiments, he's having convulsions. So he's like got some kind of seizures going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, she lowers the force field. They beam them into the sick bay. And we see this guy, uh, this kind of middle-aged bearded man who's shaking on the ground and a handsome middle-aged woman. Yeah. Who I think we thought was Michelle Phillips from Mamas and the Papas for a second. Yeah, well it is. I think that is who it is. It is? Yeah, it's it, Michelle Phillips. It is Michelle Phillips. It's Michelle Phillips from Mamas it? and the Papas. Is she in Well, her, yeah. She was in Mamas and the Papas. Yeah. Yeah. First became known as a member of the pop group of the Mamas and the Papas. Yeah, that's her. So I thought it was the woman from Requiem for a Dream, which is not. True. No, no. no I was a, wrong. Yeah. Unless they had a time loop. <laughs> I don't think that would have worked. So yeah, it is a middle-aged scientist and Michelle Phillips from Mamas and the Papas appear in the sick bay. Yeah. Picard goes there with Data and Riker. Dr. Crusher uh, deals with Mannheim on the sick bed thing, you know, I pressing new buttons that I have not seen before. Okay, and I promised you I, I would I, not go into a rant about the medical stuff. It is super weird. It's just, it, she uses the fix-it button this time. Yeah. And it doesn't fix it. Yeah, she doesn't bring out the head no. thing, though. No, there's no... She's got all these other tools that she's never using. I mean, he's not dead, so they don't have to revive... He's just having seizures. I guess. Again, I, I don't want... I've yelled about this on, like, three episodes in a row. Beverly Crusher and her toolkit is strange. Yeah, it makes yeah. no sense. But uh, when Picard enters, Michelle Phillips from Mamas and the Papas recognizes him mm-hmm. and calls him Jean-Luc. Yeah, in a very knowing manner. Yeah, so... Yeah. I, You know, by this point, I put two and two together is like oh yeah it's the lady from 22 years ago yeah so i I guess is what uh the audience was supposed to do by this point oh yeah of course okay if you didn't pick this up by now yeah it took me a while i'm kind of dumb there's a lot of picard (laughs) like wistfully staring into the distance as he listens to this voice of this woman that they've been forced so her name by the way is not Michelle Phillips from Mamas and the Papas <laughs> in the show. It is Janice. What was Mamas and the Papas? What was the song they were known for? Uh, California Dreamin', I think. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's them. Uh, that would be uh, cool if she started singing. So Monday, Monday. Uh, 
Uh, they liked vacation a lot. Yeah, who who doesn't? <laughs> it's true. Hey, everybody's so, working for the weekend. Yeah. So her name is Janice. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sure if she's French because we know Picard is, right? Yes. He was stationed in Paris. I think she's supposed to be French. She's supposed to be French? Yeah, okay. she's a, she was a young French woman living okay. in Paris. So Janice... Just like this doctor as well. Yeah. So uh, he introduces her to the rest of the crew. He's like, oh, by the way, this is Janice. We... Have a history. Uh, by the way, what happened? Uh, what's what's going on? <laughs> what's she, new? Yeah. She kind of she doesn't address this just yet. She kind of cuts to the chase because they're in a crisis. He says, you know, we had another lab. It was destroyed in an accident. It killed all of the other scientists. And what they were working on is Mannheim had a theory, and I guess this was his crackpot theory, is that there were infinite dimensions, and if you change linearity of time, you could have a breach to get and travel through those dimensions. Which we already know that. We already, to be we already true. saw that. We We've saw the travel. Yeah. And we went all the way to the edge of space into a different dimension. Yeah. So he had been working on this in a lab, and I guess to do it in a different way. The traveler can just do that. Yeah. It's part of his it's species. It's part of his species. Yeah. Mannheim was trying to build a way to do that. So this is like crazy nuclear reactor stuff yeah. that he was messing with. New and age it, science. And it caused a riff. Like, it, it, there's a rift in the fabric of space-time, and it, we saw that it, it affected other places besides the Enterprise. Yeah. So, so it's a big deal. And they had been there for, like, two years. Uh, they settled at this rock, like, in the middle of nowhere, and he was very, very close to proving all of the theories that got him laughed at on Earth true. Yes. So there's, like, all these security systems, there's these force fields. He's, like, kind of gone a little crazy. Yeah, yeah, he's like hiding in his bunker. Yeah. Yeah. And he got more and more obsessive as he came close to proving all of this stuff. So it's not like he's a bad guy. It's just the isolation, I think, probably drove him a little nuts. Yeah, because he's definitely not a villain by right. any means. He, yeah, a lot of time alone with your wife, I suppose. Yeah, but also he kind of feels like he's been driven away from Earth. Because they called him crazy. Because they called him crazy, so he's got to prove that he's not... Right, but, but again, then he goes crazy in the process. <laughs> well, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll I'll hold that thought until we get there. So that's the situation they're in. But she's like, "Yeah, but Picard, you seem like done pretty well. You got your own ship. Yeah, that's pretty cool." And then she cr- is strangely attracted to him. Yeah, right? am I picking up that no, body language? It wasn't right? just you. I picked that up too. Uh, yeah, and how inappropriate in everything about this relationship and this in this episode is inappropriate. Right. And I don't think it was addressed by the writers at all. Yeah. And at one point, the her husband gets a little bit jealous, and I would be like, super jealous oh, the whole time. It's nuts. <laughs> and, but then Crusher comes in. Dr. Crusher comes in. Yeah. Visibly jealous. Visibly. This is what the writers wrote into the... And I wish they would just stop that whole plot line. They do. Okay. Spoiler good. alert, but they, <laughs> they ditch it. She enters. She's got to do some tests on Janice. Janice kisses Picard on the cheek and leaves. Crusher is telling Picard that, uh, yeah, this guy is going to die. I don't know why or what is causing it, though. They get on the turbo lift, they head to the bridge. Doors open, Picard, Riker, and Data. But they see Picard, Riker, and Data on the other side of the turbo lift. Having the conversation having the they were just having. Conversation they had just before they got right. in the turbo lift. Yep. Data's not phased. No, not at all. Yeah, he's like, yeah, it's a time loop. That's what that does, right? Act like you've never seen a time loop before. It just happened like, on the ship. Duh. Yeah. Everyone else is 
freaked out. He's like, well, which one is us? And Data's like, oh, yeah, they both are. Right. There's, it, there's, yeah. It's not just, like there's clones walking around. Right. It's, it's like you're, you're just seeing yourself from, you know, 10 seconds ago or whatever. Right. Data is like, yeah, this is, uh, this is the Mannheim effect. This is like what his theory was all about. Turns out he's right. Which we already knew. Which we already knew. We've been watching all of this. But season. Data is so unemotional and so unfazed and is able to process this without it messing up his mind. Yeah. And we, what's established is that the humans are not able, like they are so tied to their sense of self as a way that they perceive the universe. It's a mind freak, basically. They, they can't deal with it. Yeah. Well, imagine if you saw us oh, yeah. walk into exactly. this room right that now. That would be horrifying. Yeah. And so I, this leads me to this question about time travel. But wouldn't they have always have seen themselves? Right? See, I don't know. So they w- when they were in the hallway, they should have seen themselves in the elevator. Like, that's when we, as a viewer, should have first experienced this time loop. Unless the time we're watching them is the first time they're through the time loop. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. But if it's a time loop, there couldn't be a first time. And they should always be looking at each other. Like, no matter what, when they were in the hallway, we should have seen them in the elevator. See, this is why we wouldn't be beamed down to the planet. <laughs> we just I'd be, be arguing the logic. We'd just time. be trying to argue it the whole time instead of fixing the problem. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying. Even later, anyway, I'll, I'll bring this up again later right. in the episode. But you'd always be seeing the loop. The loop. Yeah. Even the first time through the loop, because there is no first time. It would be an infinite thing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Uh, they they go to the conference room. And let me talk about the medical equipment. Again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, they go to the conference room place, uh, the ready room, sorry. Yeah. Uh, and they're trying to detail out well, what, how are we going to deal with this lab? Because we got to shut it down or something bad is going to happen. We don't know exactly what, but yeah. it is messing with the fabric of space time. Yeah. So the problem is, and data points out, there's an enormous amount of energy being generated from the planetoid that they need to beam down on. So they can't really send an away team because, like, they try to, and, like, the signal keeps, like, bouncing back. So it's kind of unclear, like, what exactly they're supposed to do. In the meantime, they got this ticking clock situation, literally a ticking clock, I guess, almost, because it's going (laughs) to mess up time. But it's not ticking because time is relative to itself. Well, don't tell, don't tell Data that, though, because <laughs> Data doesn't interpret time that way. That's um, right. That's right. Anyway, right. so they can't beam down to the planetoid because there's this enormous like amount of energy that's being generated. And I think that's like a byproduct of the lab experiment. I didn't really catch what was going on because uh, part of the other experiment was that he was able to harness the energy of the pulsar. See, I, I don't know. I found this whole section it was pretty really confusing. confusing. And then... When Data's down there and how he kind of knows what he's supposed to do, I'm like, how does he know he's supposed to do this? <laughs> yeah. So what I interpreted it as is that he was doing this experiment on space-time to try to prove his theories right. Yes. He did it by harnessing the energy of a pulsar, which they say is like an amazing feat. So he, he discovered this other new thing. But this other new thing, this way of producing enormous amounts of energy, is why they can't beam down on the planet. Yes. I think is what is happening. Uh, it's kind of hard to follow. Uh, anyway, in the sick bay, Mannheim is waking up, but he's kind of scatterbrained, yeah. literally, because he says his mind is in two different dimensions, and he can't tell which is which. Uh, but he tells Janice, all this is worth it, because I've been to the other side. I've proven, I know for a fact, all of this is real. 
So what do you think he means? There? I don't know. He never is. He's he can't he, explain it. Yeah, they never el- elaborate on what's going on. Like, is he just in like an infinite time? Loop? I think he exper- he's experiencing two different dimensions at once, which proves his theory that there are other, uh, are other dimensions and you can travel between them. Right. But the problem is he's stuck in between them. Right. So he doesn't know which one is real. And he doesn't know which one is real. Right. But, and his point is, it was worth it because I proved myself right. I've discovered this amazing thing, and everyone who laughed at me is wrong. Uh, Picard and Data come in. Mannheim tells him, he's like, uh, so I was able to get this window to this other dimension. Uh, but then they tell him, he's like, yeah, by the way, about that. Uh, so this is what happened. <laughs> you may have ended the universe. Yeah. We don't we don't really know. And so Mannheim is freaked out. He's like, well, you got to shut it down. If it spread beyond the lab, it wasn't ever supposed to do that. Um, we've got to end the experiment. So he gives them transporter coordinates that are and security codes that are able to beam down to the planet. So I guess the amount of energy that was being produced is probably part of the security system or something. Right. So no one can transport it on the planet unless they had Mannheim's security codes. It's a good thing they found that out because they were going to try it on their own and they that first time. Yep. Yeah. They would have died. They would have died. <laughs> At least everyone but Data. Yeah. <laughs> so they go back to the conference room and Data's telling him, he's like, well, if we close the window, it, we got to time it exactly to match the occurrence of like when the time effect window is open because otherwise it's going to widen the tear. Yes. In, in space-time fabric. And then we'll all be looping forever. Yeah, so they could either make this situation better or way, way worse. <laughs> That's the situation that That's we're right. in. And uh, as they're about to leave, Janice comes in, and you know, he says, oh, am I interrupting? And Picard's like, no, I, you know, I'd like to talk to you. And this is where they kind of iron out what happened. Well, she just puts it out there. She's like, you stood me up, yeah, bro. 22 years, <laughs> years ago. ago. <laughs> And I'm married now, and my husband's on this deathbed. But I don't want to talk about that. Yeah, what I, I want to talk, talk about is our 22-year-old relationship that never happened. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> my God. so inappropriate. I would be so jealous if my wife, Lauren, had a Picard in her life. I wouldn't be able to help it. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to help it. I would be like, who is this guy, and why do you keep having these one-on-one well, conversations? the thing is, it's like everything about it, professionally and personally, it's, it's just not appropriate. No, so it was 22 years ago. Let it go, and it's kind of both romantic. of you. Let it go. Yeah, it's because they're ta- they are revisiting their relationship, and Picard, his reasoning is like, I was afraid. You know, at first he tries to lie, yeah. and then he just says, "Look, I really wanted to do Starfleet. Yeah, and I was afraid if I started a relationship you, with you in Paris, I'd be tethered to the Earth. Yeah, so I just left. Which is a dick move. <laughs> it is a dick move, but it's also like. It is so him. Awesome and so consistent with Picard. It is his, it yeah. is his personality. He always puts Starfleet first. Yep. He always has, even in his personal life. He could have been married to the chick from Mamas and the Papas, and he chose not to so he could fly this ship. It's awesome. I do think that that part's really cool, but again, what is she doing? Well, what is he doing? They're both going to get themselves in trouble. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's... Yeah, I, I understand why it's written that way is because, you know, they're trying to elaborate on Picard's character, and but, man, don't go revisiting an old flame, you know, 22 years later. While her husband is on his deathbed. <laughs> it's, 
just nothing about this is right. Exactly. And it's not professional for Picard at all because he's like a cat. He's basically in. He's not, in a power position. He's in a power position. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so, you know, that part of it is weird. I understand why it was written that way, but. It's strange. If she wasn't married to a man or to a person, it would be fine. Yeah. If she was like a single, if she was the scientist, for example. Right. Cool. That'd be super appropriate. Well, she she would be about to die. So she'd want (laughs) to, you know. She'd want some closure. Closure. That would be cool. But I don't know. Yeah. uh, And it gets weirder too, because then Troy goes and talks to Crusher. And we see this, this time, uh, storyline that i don't like at all which is like oh well dr crusher she's gotta have a love interest right that's the only reason she could be on the ship she's a woman we gotta make her have a love interest with the captain instead of just like no she's a ship's doctor that's yeah, why I she's know. on the ship i know well that's the sexism of yeah of these early seasons they so, get a little better but there's still we're gonna find a lot of that throughout yeah the next generation i mean it's, it's 1988 product of its time what are you gonna do totally and it's men writing for women versus <laughs> like having a true perspective but so Tr- Troy is like trying to talk to her about like, oh, you know, how are you doing? Because she's, I guess, picked up on jealousy or something. And yeah. Crusher says, I can't compete with a ghost. Troy says, well, she's not a ghost. She's actually on the ship right now. And Crusher's like, look, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> she she uh, just doesn't want to deal with the situation and wants it to be done. Yes. Which I could probably understand totally. from her position. Totally. So... Back on the bridge, Data is saying, it's like, well, we, we know when the next distortion is going to occur. Uh, somewhere between 28 to 47 minutes. Uh, Mannheim wants to talk to Picard. He calls him up to the sick bay, and he's like, hey, uh, uh, here's some other security codes I might have forgot. Oh, okay, cool. Oh, by the way, also, if anything happens to me, I want you to take care of Janice. <laughs> Which is really weird. Uh... By the way, please marry my wife. If I die, this woman you haven't spoken to in 22 years. And you stood up last time. And you time. stood up the last time you saw her. See, again, I, yep. That's not realistic at no all. No way! <laughs> I'd be like, when I die, you stay away from my lady. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not really that jealous of a person. But, again, he knows. It's just a weird thing to ask of someone. Yeah, and, and he knows, he sees the chemistry between the two of them. And I get, you know, I've told Lauren, she hates this, and she's going to hate that I'm bringing this up now. And I don't know why I'm personalizing this so much. But I've told her, I'm like, if I die, you should remarry, and you should go find somebody, because that would be amazing. Like, you are an amazing human being, and you deserve to have somebody else in your life, right? Like, I very much believe that. I never had that conversation with Leslie, but I thought that just, that kind of goes with the territory. (laughs) Right, I know. But, you know, you watch some movies... And you watch some pop culture. It came up, we were watching something. Oh, was like, okay, yeah, yeah. She, like, the woman was like, well, I never married again. And I was like, Lauren, I feel like I would be heartbroken. Well, I'd be dead, so who cares? But yeah, I, I feel like you shouldn't, like, pine over... If I were to die, move on, and move on quickly, because you deserve... Right. So, like, and somebody else deserves you. You're a But Dr. Person. Mannheim is not having that conversation with Janice. No, he's, he's having, having a car! with Picard. <laughs> Exactly. Which, like, Picard would just be like, well, what the hell? I don't owe you shit. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like, and, like, let Janice make that decision. Yeah. You're, you're going to be dead, dude. Yeah. Right. She gets the pick. And why would she go with some jerk who stood, stood her up 22, 22 years, years ago. ago? So it's just weird. 
I think it's because they're trying to do a parallel with Casablanca. Yeah, it's very <laughs> reminiscent. So, you know, Picard agrees to all of this, which is strange. Maybe he's just trying to comfort a dying man. I don't know. Yeah, and like Picard would be any good. Oh, he'd be terrible yeah. at taking care of anyone uh, yeah, in a being relationship. Yeah, in a relationship of any kind besides <laughs> yeah. his relationship with space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Picard agrees to it. Mannheim's like, yeah. She's not really having fun at that lab. She kind of hates it, and I'm a terrible husband, so she could do a lot better. Yeah. Which is probably fair, but don't put that on someone else that you just met. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I get you're dying or being, you know, torn in two between three different dimensions. Yeah, because I never really say he's dying, is he? No. He's He's just just going to go insane. He will go crazy is basically what will happen. So Picard goes to Data, and I like this conversation because he's telling Data, he's like, you know, instead of sending an away team, I'm just going to send you mm-hmm. because you weren't really freaked out when we saw that time loop. And Data tells him that, well, that's because I experience time and I internalize it as a linear thing. Whereas humans only see time in a relative. And he uses the phrase, time flies when you're having fun, as an example. Yeah. And he said, I never understood that because time is always the same speed for me. Because it is. Right. But humans experience time in relation to their own existence. And then Picard hits him back with, a stitch in time saves saves nine. Yeah. (laughs) Which doesn't really have any relevance to... Well, it just means I'm going to send one... And then he equates it to just sending data. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So... So he's preventing future problems. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. So data goes down to the planet... And we get to see Data dodge some lasers in a lab again. Yeah, and I I love this, too, because Data's hair suddenly gets a lot longer than it is normally, so I think it's a wig. It's probably a body double or something. Yeah, exactly. And he's... It was not meant to be seen in high def. (laughs) One of those moments. (laughs) He's flipping around. He's shooting his phaser at these security robots. It's pretty cool. It's just like when we saw him at the, uh, the terraforming lab. Right, right. And this episode, at this point, really needed a little action. Yeah, because like, nothing was happening. No, it was a lot of, like, you know, some character development and a lot of talking about old flames so far. Yeah. So uh, he destroys them, and then we see, like, a wall of... There are obviously black light, fluorescent light bulbs <laughs> blocking him from the lab. And he just hit, you know, he enters the security codes, and they move, and he's got to squeeze his way through them. Uh, but they're obviously fluorescent lights. Yeah. And then he has, uh, he's got the comm open to Geordi on the bridge. And there are these little canisters of antimatter. And the antimatter is going to realign the system. But he's got to do it at a specific point, remember, when the window is open. Or otherwise, he makes the problem worse. The problem is, three datas appear. He's caught in a time loop. Right. Right as the countdown is going on for the exact moment that he's got to put the antimatter in. And again... Yeah, this the part is weird. The second he picked up the antimatter, all three of them should have been there. Like, right? Because we see the I, three of them no, at they three should, different stages. Well, because he picks up the antimatter and he goes to the rift mm-hmm. to put it in. And that's when they split. So there's three of them and the three datas are trying to argue, or not argue, but like decide amongst themselves which is the correct. Who's real? Yeah, well, yeah, which is, that. well, not who's real. They're all real, but which right. is the yeah, one that right. matches up to Jordy's countdown. Right. Because they split when he picked it up. You're right. So they should be further out of the room, right? Yeah. Their positioning doesn't make any sense. It doesn't at all. No, not at all. 
That's a minor quibble, though. That's it fine. is super minor, but it's still like this whole time thing. They didn't really like think through how these time loops work, as far as like from a cinematography perspective. Yeah, but you know, I think in the context of you're watching it in 1988, you're not going to go rewatch it because you can't. And yeah, I know, but it's kind of it, like it's the, in the middle of an action sequence. You're not probably able to parse all that stuff out, right? So, but here's my problem with it. Okay. And if I were in this writing room, okay, here's what I would have said. We keep seeing a timeline where the, and for lack of a better descriptive, the future is seeing the past. Yes. What should be happening is the past is seeing the future. It should oh. be the other way, right? So we should be following along. Oh, so he should have picked it up and then seen him putting it in. And been like, oh, I'm in the wrong time zone. Right. Oh, that's the right time zone. Yeah, right? and that would be freakier too. It'd be way cooler and it would logically make sense as to when these things are occurring. Yeah, because the one that was correct was the one in the middle. You're right. The one that was walking towards the rift, because the, the three datas have to say, all right, which is the one that matches up with when Jordy started the countdown? The one in the middle says, oh, it was me. He drops the antimatter in, and it patches it. It doesn't heal the rift. It no. patches it. Yes. I assume this is going to come up later in other episodes. It kind of feels like a narrative device for them to say it's like, oh, yeah, that was that uh, time-space rift. That- yeah, do you remember that thing? It popped open again. Right. <laughs> I really don't remember if it does or doesn't. Oh, okay. Well, you would know better than me. Yeah. Well, I've seen it before. <laughs> yeah. He fixes it. He goes back to the, to the ship. And meanwhile, on the Enterprise, Mannheim is much better. But he's not able to tell everyone what happened. Again, we have no details. Yeah. I mean, because he can't describe it. It's not. It's indescribable because it is another dimension. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like... It's the Trapper Keeper. Yeah, he, said he, he got stuck in the Trapper Keeper dimension. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like we were in the episode with the Traveler. Right. Yeah. He's like, I don't know. There were bright, shiny balls. He's like, there the were shapes. There were some shapes. He's like, yeah, we got shapes here. But like, what else? He's like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> there were shapes. <laughs> so Mannheim is, I guess, going to go back to the lab. Because mm-hmm. he's got to finish work. And this surprises Janice at first. Uh, well, and we know Janice what? hates it. Yeah, he just had that conversation with Picard. Yeah. Where he's like, yeah, she hates it. I've been neglecting her. Right. She deserves better. And then as soon as he gets better, he's like, oh, by the way, Janice. We're moving back. We're moving back to the <laughs> lab. <laughs> That's right. She kind of goes along with it. She's like, well, you told me it would never be dull. Yeah, oh, yeah. well, you know. What else is she going to do? Also, she signed up for this. That's know? true. I mean, she's a scientist, too. Yeah. So, uh, the, but one one more bit of closure is that uh, Troy brings her to the holodeck. Okay, so now Picard has roped Troy into his shenanigans. Yeah, I know. This is <laughs> widely inappropriate. Very shenan- inappropriate. Uh. So he takes Troy to the holodeck, which, as we know, is where sex happens. <laughs> yes. I mean, right? That's pretty much what it's there for. It's for sex and killing people. Uh, yeah, training and okay. living out fantasies. Yeah, which the fantasies that I think we've established are either being sad in a desert, <laughs> having sex, or right. killing people, but not actually killing people. Right, exactly. Yeah. And sometimes solving mysteries. Sometimes solving mysteries, <laughs> but that's when you feel like playing a new game for one. So Troy time. brings Janice to this, and it's you know it's the same romantic cafe in Paris 22 years ago. Yep. And Picard's there. Why is Picard doing this? With a bottle of champagne. With a bottle of champagne. He has set up a date with this woman. I know. What the hell, dude? Yeah. 
But Picard, he just wants to say goodbye properly. That's what he says. And she, you know, I like her a lot in this point. Yeah, yeah. She turns him down. She just puts up her boundaries. Yep. And she's like, you know, she pours a glass of champagne. She takes one sip. She says, you know what? Thanks for Paris. That was a long time ago. I got a different life now. Yep. And she leaves. Yeah. Hell yeah, Janice. Hell yeah, Janice. <laughs> That's what you should be doing. Yeah, she was great. Yeah. That was my favorite moment, I think, of her character, was yep. when she's like, I'm over it. She got closure, and then she left. Yeah, I don't need this anymore. So it's like, good! Picard goes, up, <laughs> Picard goes up to the bridge, and right before uh, you know, they set a course for somewhere else, he is like reminiscing about Paris. And I guess Riker had been there, too. I think there's a Starfleet like training facility there. Right. That's why he was there. And he's talking about that cafe, and Riker's like, oh, yeah, is that a cross the street from whatever and Troy points out I was like yeah that's across the street from this nightclub I used to hang out with and they reminisce for a second they and talk about the blue parrot the blue parrot yeah, yeah. and then <laughs> Picard makes a really corny joke like and we're going there and you're buying and you're buying <laughs> yeah but they don't go to the blue parrot they go to some other you know godforsaken place at the edge of the universe of course because that's what they signed up to do yeah yep and then he says engage and, and it's over and we're at the end of the episode well, this is the part of Patrick where we like to rate the episode. We put it on a three-level scale. Uh, if we loved it, if we thought it was amazing, you must watch it. It is set to kill. If we thought it was, eh, you know, pretty good, if it comes up in the cube, keep watching it. Cube. If it comes up in the queue, keep watching it. Um, that is set to stun. And if it's horrible, never watch it. Avoid at all costs. Set, leave it in the holster. All right, Patrick, what did you think? Uh, I would say set to stun. Yeah. I don't think there's anything, like, wrong with it anything that great with it either i mean i like that there was character development you got to see a little bit of picard's past and picard establishing him in france remember he's french i keep getting that (laughs) he is french uh you know the stuff of the time space continuum was was pretty cool the problem is it happened so late in the episode it's like it's like oh yeah we forgot there's supposed to be like action in this and you know crisis yeah for people that are currently living through a crisis that means that time space throughout the entire universe is going to be destroyed as we know it. They were moving kind of slow. Yeah, agreed. That really bothered me with this episode. Yeah, that's true. But time is relative, I suppose. That's true. But <laughs> it was good. It was just kind of boring. Yeah, I agree. I would set it to stun. I honestly think last time I watched through the series, I fell asleep in the middle part of this episode. It gets very exciting towards the end. Yeah. The beginning is interesting, but there's a lot of time spent on this relationship that is from the past. And yep. I do believe that Picard as a character would have moved on. You know, he clearly yeah. has built a whole career. And I think, you know, I don't he know. He did a lot of inappropriate things, too. Yeah. Well, yeah. And if you've ever been like a jerk on a date, you feel bad about it. But I don't think it, both like, parties tend to move on 22 years later. later. Exactly. And so, you know, a lot of that is very dull. But. I liked it. I enjoyed it. And I think Picard, now we have a really good sense of who he is and what his priorities are. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, we've been live streaming this episode, and uh, there's a couple comments that... Oh, really? Oh, yeah. People watched? Hey, yeah, we have a few people watching. Hey, thanks. One thing that was very kind and made me blush is uh, Ellie said... Cuddling a baby, eating sushi, watching Patrick. Great evening. Thank you so much, Ellie. That Thanks, is Ellie. awesome. Uh, Mishi, you're back. Oh, yeah. Hey. It's our thanks. fan from Ukraine. <laughs> 
Thank you so much. Really, that's very cool. Thank you for watching. Thank you for watching. You were hanging out with us earlier on a stream of a different podcast. So thank you so much. And then one more thing from Ellie. Um, she said, oh, my God, he is doing upseed things to bongs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Ellie, go back and watch this. This is so weird. Mm -hmm. Why do they just make him play accordion? <laughs> right? That's all I'm going to be thinking of. I mean, there's harps and guitars. Yeah. There's all sorts of normal instruments. He's just going up and down in a glass tube. It's yep. very strange to watch. Very, very And it strange. would not make that noise. Why would it make that noise? No, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. No. But it's the future, so... Okay. It, I mean, it might as well just be a computer. Yeah. Why don't they just have him play in yeah. a synthesizer? I mean, that's more relevant to our times today. Right. Anyway. <sighs> anyway, Patrick, anything you want to talk about before we get out of here? Uh, Yeah. Thank you for watching the live stream. Thank you for listening to Patrick. We are very flattered that anyone does. <laughs> and listen to Politics Off. That's uh, the politics show that I have with Zach Mast. Yeah, also, they just had a great guest on. Yeah, we just had Pat on. <laughs> and I was playing a character. To be okay, fair, right. that is sure. nothing that that's that man not, said right, relates yeah. to what I believe. Yeah, but uh, also... Visit Peaches and Hot Sauce, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We got a lot of stuff going on. And if you're in Chicago, Friday, we will be having the Peach Party Convention live yeah. show. At what time is it? Eight? Eight o'clock. Eight o'clock on IO Friday Theater. at IO Chicago. Yeah, that'd so be awesome. Come to that. Uh, we'll be around after the show to hang out. I'll be playing myself. Patrick will be playing one of my favorite characters to watch Patrick play. He's George Lucas. Before. Yeah, he's going to be George Lucas. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. So please, yeah, 8 o'clock, Iowa Theater. Um, the Peach Party. What did? What are we calling the show? I think it's called the Peach Party Convention. Yeah, the Peach Party Convention. We have, it's we have awesome. a fringe third party that we will be nominating someone at, by the end of the night. Awesome. Cool. Uh, please listen to Making New Friends. It's the podcast I do uh, on Peaches and Hot Sauce. It's, I've been doing it forever. It's a lot of fun. The episodes don't really come out as regularly as Patrick do, but every month I get four of them out. Yeah. So just That's check something. In. Yeah, just check in at the end of the month and you'll be able to catch up. Um, follow me on Twitter at Pat Likes Tweet because Facebook is for noobs. Let's see what's out there. Peaches. Hot sauce. Peaches. Your peaches.